Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday evening. Massive show for you in the next hour. John Cleary reacts to Cork picking up this season's first bid of silverware. Of course, the Rebels claimed the McGrath Cup last night. Also last night, we were at the Rebel Oak Awards and I spoke to the guest of honour on Cadigan and Chairman Michael O'Mahony. So we're going to hear from them on what was a great night at the Clayton Silver Springs Hotel. Fiona Hurley is going to reflect on Bella Giblin's outstanding achievement last weekend, as well as speaking about Mark Keane, who will be heading to the AFL. Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings previews Munster's huge European test awaited to lose. It was a big day of relegation battles in the Premier League. We have all the results and the reaction coming up before seven. Aidan Leahy here with you on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM for the next hour and a big day of sport and a big day of action in the Premier League. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, 0868-104-106 at Big Red Bench on Twitter. Uh, let's first of all start off with some local football action. Cork City were in pre-season action this afternoon. Colin Healy's side beat Treaty United 3-0 in Bishopstown in the Munster Senior Cup quarter final. Middleton lost out to Waterford 2 1 at the RSC in the FAI Intermediate Cup fourth round. Uh, better news there. Rockmount have beaten Usher Celtic in an absolute classic from the sounds of, by the sounds of it. 4 uh, 3 it finished after extra time. Uh, let's jump into the Premier League action and of course Premier League action ongoing at Sellers Park. It's nil all currently between uh, Crystal Palace and Newcastle in beaches there. Crystal Palace nil, Newcastle nil. We've only really had two opportunities for either team to get in the opposing penalty area. Both fell to Newcastle. Uh, Willock on the left-hand side for them, uh, putting the ball across the penalty area, and eventually Miguel Almiron shooting into the side netting. And another chance where Longstaff put the ball across the box for Newcastle from the right-hand side, but Crystal Palace managed to clear away. Newcastle probably shading it at the moment, but of course Palace have the attacking players out there to make an impact. It's Crystal Palace nil, Newcastle nil. Yeah, and interesting to see if Palace can build on that uh, result against United midweek. Of course, what a massive clash uh, tomorrow in the Premier League that is. Um, I said it last week that, uh, and that this was said with the assumption that that United would would have gotten three points at, at Sellers Park. Um, obviously, United can still close the gap with a victory tomorrow at the Emirates but you have to say now that Casemiro picked up a suspension that uh, Arsenal are, are very much are the uh, favourites to get a victory tomorrow at half past four uh, City take on Wolves also uh, Leeds Brentford uh, that's quite a big game as well for them they're both at two o'clock at half four though it is the big one at the Emirates uh, United have a game or Arsenal have a game in hand on United and there's eight points in it now uh, it would still be a game in hand after tomorrow, of course, but a victory for United would close that gap to five points, uh, which is the closest United have been to uh, the top of the table in a long, long time. If Arsenal win, then, you know, stretching a lead from United to 11 points, uh, from City to eight points, and I think it's, it would be a record, a club record for Arsenal. Uh, it would be the quickest they've ever reached 50 points 
in the Premier League. So a lot on the line, a lot to be gained for Arsenal. Not a lot to be lost for them, I would have to say, because they still would have a decent cushion. They still have a, a five-point advantage on uh, on United and City, let's say. Um, but look, uh, a long ways to go in the Premier League, but it, it does feel like uh, it's it's a huge, huge clash, especially in in you know this or this sort of midway jostling for a position stage, and um, you know it'll have a huge uh, effect on the mindset going forward of the players as well because you know if Arsenal get a win tomorrow, they're going to feel pretty confident then heading into the rest of the season. Whereas you know if United manage to get a win, maybe a bit of doubt starts creeping into Arsenal. Um, you know maybe you know the inexperience of being at the top of the table. Uh, for quite a young squad might start catching up with them but uh, look hopefully it's just going to be an entertaining game because these things tend to end up being a bit flat and uh, hopefully it just won't be a drab nil all but I expect a few goals uh, in it and that game in Old Trafford at the start of the season was a pretty good game um, Arsenal were very good that day and United managed to cash them out on the break so hopefully it'll be as exciting as that uh, not very exciting earlier on in the early game today at half past 12 Liverpool and Chelsea nil all uh, Mudrick came on uh, Mikhailo Mudrick came on for his Chelsea debut and I have to say I was pretty impressed with the guy he looks good uh, now he was taking on James Milner which you'd fancy any uh, winger in the league worth their salt to have a go with James Milner down the line and he uh, he absolutely made a bit of mincemeat of, of Milner at a couple of stages but he does look lively He you can tell why well whether Potter was the one that wanted to get him in or not who knows but you can tell why Chelsea did want to sign him he did look pretty good uh, quick change of direction you know he's pacey he's direct uh, so maybe uh, the fortunes will start changing for Chelsea but uh, Liverpool now 9 points adrift of the Premier League's top 4 as are Chelsea after that goal to straw at Anfield Jurgen Klopp's side have gone 3 games without a win in the Premier League the Liverpool manager says they're moving in the right direction though for me it's clear in that situation you have really to be ready for little steps and this was a little step today that's how it is we cannot expect now every every week I expect progress and I think from, from the last league game it was progress definitely and um, that's important Chelsea had an early goal ruled out by VAR um, and of course had to settle for the goal at straw Kai Havertz thought he'd put the Londoners ahead but it was judged to be offside it was actually a rebound Thiago Silva had an effort that came off the post and if Silva had scored from his effort it would have stood but the fact he came back off the post Havertz was offside uh, by the rebound uh, Boss Graham Potter says it was a pleasing display Happy um, with the energy with the spirit with the discipline we had It's never easy coming here because of Liverpool's quality and, and Anfield um, we take the points we accept the point and we move forward in a positive way. Yeah, and a big one then at the London Stadium between West Ham and Everton. And uh, West Ham have climbed out of the Premier League relegation zone thanks to the 2-0 victory over the Toffees. It moves them up to 15th and a point clear from the bottom three. Uh, there have been uh, there had been suggestions that manager David Moyes would be sacked if they lost uh, earlier on today but he said his team's hard work has finally paid off we've had really good performances I think for quite a while but not got the goals to go with it today we managed to get a couple of goals which made such a difference uh, we did play quite so well in the second half but we had something to hang on to we had a couple of goals and when I look back at it we'll probably missed another two or three good chances probably to, to get a third goal 
Newcastle have just missed a really good chance on the 36th minute mark. I think they're actually checking this for a possible handball in the penalty area. It was Joel Linton who fired the shot and uh, Mitchell of Palace seemed to get a touch in it with his hand before being saved by uh, Gaeta in the uh, Palace goal but I don't think they're going to check it they're going to move on nil all after 36 minutes it's a free and actually for, for Newcastle uh, obviously they've played on a bit since then uh, the pressure though has increased on Everton manager Frank Lampard following a 2-0 defeat at, uh, at the London Stadium it leaves his side second from bottom two points from safety the club's travelling fans chanted sack the board following their game at the London Stadium I think they've chanted that now a uh, good few times in the last uh, few games. Lampard says he knows there's speculation surrounding his position, but says that's not something he can control. This they are difficult conditions at the minute for, for a lot of different reasons that I'm very aware of. Then that's it. I just have to do my job and it's not for me to make too many diversions around it rather than talk about what I can affect. And that's the players trying to get the right results. I imagine the situation he's aware of, that that, that situation he's referring to is the league table, um, which doesn't make for good reading for Frank Lampard. Um, that uh, manager swap is still on, though. Moyes to Everton and uh, Lampard to West Ham. Uh, so uh, let's who knows? Who knows what will happen over the next couple of weeks? Um, Leicester uh, were almost, they were, they were seconds away from claiming uh, an important three points for them against Brighton today. But... Evan Ferguson, Ireland's saviour, soon to be hopefully, came off the bench and rescued a point for Brighton. Here's Adam Jury reacting to Ferguson's equaliser. Leicester 2, Brighton 2, Evan Ferguson on as a substitute potentially has rescued a point for the Seagulls. They've been building the ball forward. Leicester had tried to defend, but they didn't see the ball coming from the left-hand side. Estepinian crossing into the middle of the penalty area, and there Ferguson rose with his head and guided it down into the bottom right corner of the net, and we're all square with seconds to go. Leicester 2, Brighton 2. And that is how it finished at the King Power Stadium. A fourth goal, I believe, for Evan Ferguson in the Premier League in five games, if not maybe six games. Um, assist against Liverpool as well. He's just on fire at the moment. Um, I was actually just discussing with uh, Dylan O'Connell, uh, who you'll hear from a little bit later on, speaking to John Cleary. We're talking about how the Ireland players always seem to peak right in between international windows. And come an international window, then they seem to be out of form, and that player doesn't even get played in in, in the matches uh, during the break. But if Evan Ferguson can keep this going and bring it on through till March, um, he could be a massive asset for Stephen Kenny, especially with the prospect of facing France uh, in those qualifiers. So hopefully Ferguson stays healthy. That's the main thing. Whether or not he keeps the goal scoring rate up, I, I think is irrelevant. But once he stays fit, once he stays healthy, once he's playing regularly, that is all you want to see. Southampton nil, Aston Villa one is how it finished at St Mary's. I believe the game was disrupted because of a drone in the first half. Alan Lewis reports. It's finished Southampton nil, Aston Villa one, three away wins on the trot for Villa. Disappointment for Southampton. The first half uneventful save for a uh, 10 minute stoppage because of a drone flying over the stadium. Southampton thought they'd taken the lead in the second half only for James Ward-Prowse's deflected strike to be controversial virtually chalked off by VAR 
far. The rub sought into the wound. Ollie Watkins then put Villa in front, heading home from a Douglas Louise free kick. Gineppo very close to an equaliser late on. It's another excellent win for Villa, but Southampton remain bottom of the Premier League. Southampton nil, Aston Villa one. If I'm not mistaken, something similar happened in a college's game a couple of years ago, I think in UL, where a match had to be stopped. It was a hurling match and there was a drone. Now, whether it was one of the, the teams actually using the drone to try and use it for, uh, you know, footage purposes, I'm not sure whether somebody was just flying one overhead, but uh, the game was stopped because of the, the distraction, I suppose. Um, maybe it can be. I'm not sure. Um, like that now, Southampton v Aston Villa wasn't televised, so I couldn't really see you know was the drone over the stadium because sometimes they fly the TV drone over the stadium or it must have actually been pretty close to the pitch you know it must have been fairly low in around the stadium um, but yeah uh, sounded pretty uneventful uh, in the first half other than that and of course Villa nicking it uh, with uh, a goal in the second half to get them three important points for Unai Emery uh, elsewhere, Nottingham Forest claimed a big point for them as well against Bournemouth. Uh, two more struggling teams in the Premier League. All the, the strugglers seem to be playing each other today. He's Here is David Garrett. It finished. Bournemouth won, Nottingham Forest won. VAR was eventually Forest's friend. They had a goal disallowed for offside in the first half, but Sam Surridge evened up the game when it looked as though Forrest were likely to lose. Surridge was fractionally onside, and it was just fractions. He was behind the ball as Johnson crossed, and he equalised in the final 10 minutes. Surridge could not miss. It was an easy chance. Surridge had come on for Chris Wood, and the change paid dividends for Steve Cooper. Wood on loan from Newcastle, starting the game. Hadn't had a great match. Jaden Anthony had put Bournemouth ahead with a lovely finish. 28 minutes on the clock. He controlled a beautiful pass by new boy, Uwatara. Bournemouth had other chances to wrap it up. Both sides of half-time. Moore missed with a header. The impressive Zamora saw an effort cleared off the line. And Owatua with a couple of half-chances. Forrest didn't create too much, but while it was only 1-0 to Bournemouth, they just needed one chance, and they created it with seven minutes left. Bournemouth do stop the rot of six straight defeats with a draw. Bournemouth 1, Nottingham Forest 1. Kyogo Furuhashi took his goal tally to 20 of the season as Celtic thrashed Martin 5-0 in the fourth round of the Scottish Cup the Japanese striker scored twice in the first half at Parkhead to help the Premiership champions advance to the last 16 Ian Golf Shane Lowry has a share of the lead ahead of tomorrow's final round at Golf's Abu Dhabi Championship the awfully man signed for a 6 under par round of 66 to move to 13 under he's joined at the summit of the leaderboard by Minwoo Lee and Francesco Molinari, who's been the leader for most of the weekend. Project Harrington will go into the final day at 11-under with Seamus Power 7-under. Project Harrington had an unbelievable back nine. Harrington, he's, does, he's, he's, he's disrespected, I would say, uh, a lot of the times when people talk about uh, the country's greatest sports people because like he's 50-plus he's and he's performing so often on, on the... On the uh, and I know he plays the senior tour a lot, but... Um, he performs so often on the on the tour as well, on the pro tour. So, um, fair play to Harrington for still going at uh, this stage. And hopefully, uh, himself, Seamus Power and uh, Shane Lowry can finish as high as possible and possibly maybe even bring home an old trophy out of that one. In tennis, Andy Murray's run at the Australian Open is over. He lost in four sets to Roberto Bautista Agut. The three-time Grand Slam champion went into the match having been on court for 10 hours uh, during his two wins at the tournament and, of course, finished at 4 a.m. on Thursday as well in that 
ridiculous comeback. Uh, Djokovic battled through injury to beat Grigor Dimitrov in straight sets to advance to the fourth round. Women's fourth seed Caroline Garcia is into round four for the first time since 2018 while Caroline Pliskova and Belinda Bencic also advanced this morning. In rugby, in the Women's Interpro Championship, Munster won away to Connacht 50 points to 24 uh, at the sports ground earlier today. Leinster had uh, too much in the tank for Racing 92 this afternoon in the Heineken Champions Cup at the Aviva Stadium. Leo Cullen's charges ran out 36-10 winners and secured a home tie in the knockouts. Um, it's winner bus for Ulster tonight. Dan McFarland's team wholesale Sharks in Belfast from 8pm. They must win to go through. It's amazing. They even have a chance at it. Uh, Connacht need just a losing bonus point at Newcastle to earn, to earn home advantage in the Challenge Cups round of 16. Now, let's look at last night's action in the McGrath Cup. Cork Senior Footballers course picking up the year's first piece of silverware. John Cleary's Rebels defeat Limerick in the McGrath Cup final in Mallow. 19 points to 2-7 was the final score. Dylan O'Connell was there for us and he spoke to John Cleary afterwards. Well, John, great to end pre-season with a win and trophy. How are you feeling? Uh, feeling okay. Look, um, the game tonight, we had a bit, you know, we had a mixture of everything. We played reasonably well at times, but we were very sloppy at other times. And um, look, we'll have to just uh, learn from that and go back to the drawing board now. And, um, you know, um, hopefully the things that didn't go right tonight, now that, um, you know, that we'll work on them there during the week because there was quite a lot of them, actually. And uh, the things that we were doing well, that hopefully we'll continue do, do, doing those and, and take it, you know, take it into the league like it's always fantastic just overall even when Limerick pegs you back to a point you kind of started off the second half business as usual and comes to three scores without response to Limerick like you really handled the game well yeah I think the lads were across at half time with themselves you know in that you know we felt we gave away a cheap goal and another couple of points then after that and like I think we were 6-1 up at, at one stage after maybe 15 minutes so I think they, they, they said look we need to get a good start here in the second half but, you know, and, and push forward and that's what they did and, and we got four or five points and you know uh, like we conceded another sloppy game or goal when the game looked to be you know going our way so uh, again that's something to learn from and, and luckily enough then we came back and finished out the game out well so that, that was pleasing Was that over the game plan to go and blitz the opposition for the first 15-20 minutes? Uh, well that's quite the game plan all the time in that you hopefully put your best foot forward and you know uh, and look the openings came and we took we took, we took them but um, it wasn't the game plan to let them back into the game so you know again a lot to work on and I suppose Bray, like great performance up with the forward line with Stephen Sherlock and Brian Hurley both kicking over 7 points each yeah 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 yeah, yeah. should have good players and uh, you know when they get the opportunities um, they, they you know they tend to take them um, probably we left 2 or 3 goals there tonight that another night we might you know we might have scored but look as I said that's what we'll be working on and, and uh, that's what the lads are there up in the forward line is, is, is to put the ball over the bar and you know they, they, thank God tonight they did you know there's one last question for you as well like this is fantastic going into this was the first game of the league against me to have this to build momentum build momentum with yeah it is look we won't get carried away about it it's a pre-season competition um, the league is another step up and you know meet Kildare Dublin we'll kind of know where we are in the picking order after those three games yeah, uh, pretty happy sounding John Cleary there with Dylan O'Connell after Cork won the McGrath Cup final 
in Mallow last night. It's half time at Sellers Park. It's nil all between Newcastle and Crystal Palace. Now, uh, the Rebel Oak Awards were on last night at the Clayton Silver Springs Hotel. Um, Jeremy Carty, our own Jeremy Carty and Colm O'Sullivan were hosting it. I went along as well for a bit of moral support. <laughs> but it was a great night, great evening had by all. Dennis Hurley, uh, Sarsfield's uh, legend, picked up the Hall of Fame. Um, it was incredible to to listen uh, about uh, his life and his dedication to the to the GAA. He became his club secretary his club secretary at the age of seventeen in nineteen fifty, and has served in many many different roles and was also a selector with Cork for uh, years as well. Um, in between all the glory years uh, in the late eighties, early ni- in the late eighties and nineties as well, I think there was four Ireland's won. Uh, in the time that he was a part of the Cork Senior Hurling setup, um, Douglas, uh, the Douglas Minor double winning team were honoured. They won the overall award, the overall Rebel Oak Award. So all the monthly awards came up and were honoured. And uh, then out of those uh, monthly winners, they picked the overall winner for the year. And that was, of course, the historic achievement by the Douglas Minor double winning team. And of course, a Dublin, uh, a Dublin, a Douglas man was the guest of honour, Owen Cadigan. Uh, he was on stage with Cullum and with Jer, uh, taking a few questions um, throughout uh, the evening. And after that, I spoke to him um, about how important, uh, how important that uh, events like that are. And of course, we also spoke about the uh, season ahead in both uh, football and hurling. Okay, I'm joined here by uh, former Cork Jewel star Owen Cadigan at the Rebel Oak Awards. Owen was the uh, guest of honour and was on stage with Joe McCarthy and Colm O'Sullivan. So we're going to get him to talk just a slight bit more now before we go away. Owen, I suppose these awards are great. And uh, for you especially, you know a lot of these young guys, you know, uh, sitting down at the tables. And for someone who's finished playing inter-county now looking at the young guns the likes of the Douglas Miners there now who won a double and received the overall awards it must be great to just see all the, the young players and uh, you can imagine all the dreams and hopes they have as well of representing Cork in the future Yeah absolutely look I suppose tonight was all about uh, acknowledging the success of all the teams throughout the months um, and as you said like the, the future of hurling and football was in that room tonight within their own clubs and hopefully go on to represent Cork as well at a later stage yeah, and I suppose just on, on Douglas, obviously your own club, minor double winning team, received our over, overall award tonight. Like, it's an amazing achievement. It's a rarity in any county. To do it in Cork, I think, especially, is probably maybe one of the hardest counties to do it in. Yeah, it's an incredible feat. And, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that the people on the ground were putting a huge amount of work in with that core group of players. And there was a big crossover between hurling and football. And that works seamless in terms of making sure to keep the lads' feet on the ground. Uh, the important thing for us now as a club is to progress on from that minor winning success now into adult level. And I think that's the difficulty that most teams have. But, you know, I've no doubt that the capability, the skill level and the dedication is there. And we have the people within our club to drive that forward hopefully I suppose with the way things go now you're over the last couple of years you know you're getting asked a lot about your career and the fact now that you're finished playing at your county level um, I'm from Kerry which is no secret on Red FM I spent uh, many a, a Sunday roaring from the terrace maybe at yourself when you're battling away with Donaghy in, inside in the square or something like that I imagine those those kind of battles as well like they're, they're, they're great memories and 
like maybe an old Masters game down the line or something you wouldn't mind you know, getting back involved in them or something oh yeah like they're, they're brilliant memories to have like you know anytime I got the opportunity to, to put on a Cork jersey at any age group like it was a huge achievement for me as an individual I made no bones about it I was a very average player who just actually dedicated a lot of my time uh, and committed myself to trying to get the absolute most out of myself because I knew there was much more skillful and better hurlers and footballers out there than me and you know I've been fortunate enough to be in a part of some great teams along the way we've had some good days and bad days but that's the part of sport that you have to I suppose roll with and I have some great memories you know I think you're selling yourself short and small with there, uh, representing Cork in, in two codes. I suppose as we're talking about football, we, we just mentioned there, Cork picked up the, the McGrath Cup this evening. Um, first bit of silverware for John Cleary. Um, obviously, it's his first official season, but something now that he can really build on, especially going into a really tough league campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, Cork people crave success. They don't really care what it is. And you know, to go out and win that this weekend, uh, it's a nice little settler before heading into National League because you know, we saw the draw for the football. It's a nice, tasty group, some really tough games at home. But I think that's the type of test that the footballers want. Like um, The footballing group are probably sick of probably underachieving to a certain degree uh, and you know wanting Cork people to get behind them now and I think that that win tonight will actually drive them forward and not different from hurling you know everyone is itching now to see Sunday's game against Tipperary uh, and hopefully they can put down a marker as well uh, for three weeks time before the National League kicks off against Limerick Yeah absolutely and Dublin coming down the road as well for a, a National League clash albeit a Division 2 but it, you know it'll have the feel I'm sure on the day of almost almost a championship tie you know what I mean Dublin coming down here and Cork will feel I suppose everyone will feel this year they might have a crack off Dublin but uh, Cork will go into that game down in Parky Cueve thinking that maybe you know we can pull off a big performance here and like that would be a great atmosphere in Parky Cueve getting a big result against the Dubs absolutely you know and you know Dublin are coming to Parky Cueve and Parky Cueve is for Cork people and Cork supporters and you know the Dubs tend to always bring a good following whether it be National League or Championship so that has the making of a cracking atmosphere and uh, you know it's one to watch definitely out of all the fixtures you mentioned uh, on stage with, with Colin Major that uh, Alan isn't giving much away in terms of team selection for Sundays. Uh, Munster Hurling League final against Tipperary. But like you said, you know, it could be uh, two pieces of silverware in the space of three days for Cork in uh, football and hurling. And like you said, certainly a good springboard going into the league, especially with Pat Ryan also in, in, new in the job as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the hurling league for Cork will be about giving those young guys the opportunity that they deserve, uh, getting up to the intensity of senior and county hurling. And, you know, I think from an age profile perspective, we certainly have the players coming through. We saw that in our club hurling championship this year. Uh, the quality was there. The players were there. It's a case now of getting them up to the level, gelling them together, uh, learning as well from the league, you know. Um, of course, Cork out to set out their stall to win silverware to start in every competition. But again, blooding new players, getting up to it and being ready for championship really is all that matters. Someone who you'll understand more than most other people uh, in, in this situation is Mark Keane being a, a dual star, having to first of all, a couple of years ago, make a decision between hurling and football. And now today we heard the news that he's going to go to Australia again for another crack at it, going to the Adelaide Crows. And I'm sure, again, that was a difficult situation, but one for Mark, that he, it's an opportunity he can't pass up. Yeah, I suppose first, you'd want to congratulate everyone, Barry Giblin and Mark himself, like, you know, going on to Crow Park and representing Cork there uh, was a phenomenal achievement. And to get over the line this year after last year was outstanding. Um, from an opportunity perspective, look, 
you know, I saw him play against Kerry down in the in the early Waterford Crystal game, playing at wing back. I thought he was dominant. He was excellent for the 30 minutes he played. Uh, he was someone I definitely thought that Cork could have moulded into a half back. He's physical, aggressive, powerful. Um, he certainly will be a loss to Cork, whether it be hurling or football. But again, these opportunities come and only the individual himself can make those decisions. And once that decision is made, all you can do is wish him the best of luck. Finally, I'll just ask you a question in, in two parts. First of all, what does success look like for Cork football this year? What my opinion on success is doesn't really matter. Uh, I always found that you know everyone has a different opinion on what success is. I'm sure the core group of hurling and football management teams and players will have written down what they feel is deliverable as a team, uh, and it's up to them to chase after those numbers. Your opinion and my opinion doesn't really matter to the core group. Of course, as supporters, we want silverware. People are demanding in Cork, we crave it. But again, I've no doubt that every time someone goes out to play, whether it be Cork footballers or hurlers, they'll be out with the, the opportunity and the idea to go and bring back success. And I suppose then, well, I was going to ask you about the hurlers, but <laughs> I just is, there, is, is there more expectation then with the hurlers do you feel this year? Well, maybe, look, Pat Ryan is new in the job, and like that, look, the footballers seem to be trying to get back on that path to success. But with the hurlers, look, they've been in two national finals in the last 18 months, let's say. Is there a bit more expectation for them to kick on and maybe, you know, is, is like the likes of reaching a Munster final or, you know, getting to the last four of the All-Ireland Championship, I suppose, kind of benchmark um, expectations? Yeah, I, I, like, I suppose I don't want to be disrespectful and, and, ten, and saying what that Cork group can do. Uh, I think the important thing to recognise is Pat Ryan has a whole new management team after coming in and, and with that takes a small bit of time. It takes time to know the players, to get a feel for who's best fit for each position uh, and the type of style that suits the group. Um, those things take a huge amount of time, huge amount of hours in the field and I think we're going to have to allow that time. Uh, I've no doubt that they leave no stone unturned. Pat Ryan is an incredible hurling man. Every player I've spoken to only speaks highly of him uh, and his backroom team have delivered that at under 20 levels so I am hugely optimistic about the year. Uh, I think we'll give them the time. Let's find these guys and give them the opportunity to be ready for once the championship comes. Well, a very dapper on Cadigan. Thanks a minute. Good Cheers. Man. Yeah, that was on Cadigan there speaking at last night's Rebel Oak Awards at the Clayton Silver Springs and uh, he mentioned how uh, his brother Alan wasn't giving away any ideas as to what the starting lineup would be for uh, tomorrow's uh, Co-op Superstars of Munster Hurling League final but the team has been named uh, since Patrick Collins starts in goal Sean O'Donoghue, the captain of course comes in to start at corner back uh, Rob Downey, Sean O'Leary, Cahill Cormac uh, Nile O'Leary, Damien Catalan, Tommy O'Connell, Brian Roach, Sean Toomey, Robbie O'Flynn, Luke Mead, Colin Walsh, Declan Dalton, and Patrick Horgan starts a corner forward. That is the uh, starting 15. Uh, Kieran Joyce among the subs, Conor Lehan as well, Brian Hayes too, uh, all among the subs there. So uh, it'll be an interesting one, and uh, Rory should have some reaction. Uh, to that on tomorrow's Big Red Bench. We're going to hear from the Rebel Oak chairman, Michael O'Mahony, after the break. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.
missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. Aidan Leahy here with you until 7 o'clock. We heard from Owen Cadigan before the break. He was the guest of honour at the Rebel Oak Awards last night. Here's the Rebel Oak chairman, Michael O'Mahony. Now, I'm here at the uh, Clayton Silver Springs Hotel at the Rebel Oak Awards, and I'm joined by the Rebel Oak chairman, Michael O'Mahony. Michael, nights like tonight are great, and they're there to be enjoyed as well, aren't they? Absolutely. Today was a wonderful occasion, and we haven't had it done for a couple of years because of COVID. So it's lovely, another sign of the return to normality. And nice to celebrate all the wonderful achievements of young people and young teams and youngsters coming through and all the people who helped them and the clubs behind and it's very nice and it's good to have recognition of that in the Rebel Oak Awards and we're, we love the occasion, we love the Rebel Oak Awards and we love tonight, it's a great thing and you know, you can saw the excitement there tonight when Douglas won the, won the, the overall award, very excited great, it was lovely, really nice I suppose another, another lovely moment was the Hall of Fame yeah. award recipient yeah, yeah. Uh, Dennis Hurley of Sarsfields yeah. And uh, awards like that as well, it's, it's just, they are very special and you could sense that in the room as well when it was announced. You could, an extraordinary when uh, Mick Evans um, uh, read out, uh, if you like, went through the, the Dennis's biography, like extraordinary. I, I not know, did he say this was 1950-something, he was secretary of his club at 17, you know, an extraordinary service to the GA. Um, right through his life and really sums up the volunteerism that's at the heart of the GA and the lifelong involvement as I said it we always say in the GA there's a, there's a role for everyone which there is um, it's that kind of organisation and I thought it was wonderful to see Dennis getting that award tonight and uh, just going through counties and um, with Cork teams winning four All-Ireland some great hurling teams that he was selected which you know he's just it's a lifetime of service fantastic great credit to Dennis I was uh, just speaking to Owen Cadigan there as well and we, we talked about the Douglas Minor double winning team and uh, those teams always go down in, in folklore you know and in, in 25 years time they'll be looking back at the record books and they're recognised with the overall award Owen said how lucky the club are in Douglas to have that group but you still need to bring it all together and uh, it's an amazing feat to win it's a football and hurling it's a fantastic feat to do it and championships are hard won so to win a double win a hurling and football in the one year very hard it's a long time I can't remember now but it's going back a bit now since the club did that these things are not done easily they're not done regularly so it's a huge achievement to be treasured and be remembered all their lives uh, won the double minor county and in fairness it shows tremendous work going on in, in, in Douglas and uh, to bring all these people through you know so all these lads all these young lads and please God we'll see a lot of them go on and have great careers in the Douglas club and hopefully a few of them in the reserves of Cork we'd hope to see that Owen tonight of course was our, our guest of honour and it's great bringing Owen back you know talking to the young guys and obviously he knows a lot of them anyway but you know 11 years going now these awards soon enough you'll have someone who was on that stage maybe at the end of their career sitting down in that chair as well talking to everybody else exactly the same thing struck me actually yeah that uh, Owen is talking to the young lads and you could see they were riveted by it they wanted it they listened to him they know what he's done with Cork and the great career he's had and yeah but he was also saying it moves on fairly lively and um, it does so uh, you know uh, enjoy it while you're at it and um, hopefully some of those lads will have great careers and we might be seeing some of them up in the, sitting in the chair telling us about telling the next group of young fellas what their career was like and how they got on yeah absolutely 2023 feels I think everybody is coming to this year with just kind of the shackles off you know finally we're all free to do what, what we've always done uh, for, for years and years and years before that three year blip 
Um, so 2023, more of the same, I imagine, in, in the Rebel Oak camp and uh, just hopefully another successful year for, for all the teams on the pitches. Yeah, absolutely. We look forward to a great year again. We had a very good year actually in 2022 when we were just, if you like, just breaking out of COVID and or getting beyond it, having a more regular year. And we look forward to having a very, very good year in loads of games. As I said earlier tonight, like we've about 6,500 games in Rebel Oak. It's an enormous organisation. There's an awful lot of people, huge number of volunteers all over the county organising and training teams and the whole lot. So we're really looking forward to having a great year in 2023. Absolutely. The very best to look at it. Michael Maddie, thanks a minute. Yeah, Michael Mahoney, the Rebel Oak chairman, there speaking after the awards last night. Now, uh, last weekend was a massive weekend in the history of Ballygiblin GA, and uh, it's been another massive weekend as well, of course, with the news that Mark Keane is going to be linking up with the Adelaide Crows in the AFL. It's a fantastic achievement for Mark uh, to have been, uh, you know, awarded this contract uh, to go back down under. I spoke to Mark's teammate, Fionn Hurley. Fionn was Ballygiblin's captain. Last weekend at Croke Park, we spoke about just the the thrill of, of winning in Ireland and and what it's been like around the parish as since last Saturday. All right, Fionn Hurley, Bally Giblin, captain of an All Ireland winning team. Um, I imagine it's been a fairly manic week of celebrations. Uh, what was it like to bring the cup home to the crossroads? Um, yeah, it was just an unbelievable feeling, and um, to look at into something we've been kind of waiting for with probably fifteen months now. Um, once we won the Cork County last year we kind of knew the ultimate goal was to try and win in All-Ireland Cork teams have a good track record but um, it probably makes them more the sweeter after losing last year and getting so close um, probably with all the pressure this year that it's just uh, it's a surreal moment really once you see like the, how it's captured the whole community over the past probably 18 months two years I think a lot of people listening will be uh, will have experienced the Monday Club at some stage or another. Uh, the Monday Club, after winning an All-Ireland, must be uh, another level. Yeah, it is. I suppose it kind of turned into the Tuesday and Wednesday Club this year now. Not as brilliant. Look, I think look, it's always great. The Saturday and Sunday, you get to meet with everyone, but it's probably the Monday is the first time you kind of get to settle down with probably... Just the team together. There's probably a few stories from the night before. It kind of it's where it kind of really sinks in, and probably you're with people closest to us. And I suppose the crack is all as good. Really, you're kind of there the full day together, and it is, um, not as all is just a great laugh. So not as it definitely kind of spilled over into Tuesday and Wednesday this year. Yeah, and it's just great as well, like that kind of, you know, that parochial element of it, uh, everyone in their families, friends and all of that, uh, you know, people you went to school with, it's, it's, uh, it's, it really is a special sort of uh, occasion to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. Look, I'd say, look, obviously there's none of us that have won all our medals of Cork at senior level and that, but I've seen David Clifford said something that is just a completely different occasion doing it for your county and your club, um, like the club being up there Croke Park although I like the stadium isn't full like you know it's just it's unbelievable you know every single person in the crowd probably anyone that you've known since you can remember probably from three years age until you met someone last week like even going up there to lift the cup I was probably hugging about 10 or 12 people on the way up the steps even just knowing that my parents are only a few rows behind me kind of in the section above so like no, it's just unreal. And like I suppose, everyone that you see has probably had such an influence on your sporting career, or even probably influence on your career or life, kind of in shaping even whether it is in school or people that are giving you jobs as you grow on up, or just friends and families and neighbours. No, so it's brilliant. It really is. It's kind of a surreal kind of just a, 
yeah, it's, a, it's an unreal kind of occasion. It caps off an amazing journey as well, and you know when you achieve something like that with with so much expectation, like even just in in Cork, first of all, let's just look at the county championship. You know that must have been maybe relief as much as anything getting over the line in Cork. Obviously, the regrade situation and being pretty much the favourites then to go and to win it in Cork to to just achieve that must have been a relief first of all. Yeah, it was. Like I think. As she said it in my speech when we won the Munster this year, it was kind of last year. Uh, it was a complete shock we won our county, and I kind of said people weren't saying we're good enough even to be in the Munster Championship last year. And then it was completely different this year when everyone was saying we were too good nearly to be there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it was completely different atmosphere in the Cork County Championship this year. I suppose we knew we were up against the higher standard against some serious quality teams, even in our group. Like it was going to be a challenge to get out of our group. But like at the same time, because we got to an All Ireland final and so close, like I suppose most people in the division were putting us down as favourites, or kind of people outside of our team are probably putting us down as favourites. But I suppose it's probably something that Ron and Dave kind of spoke to us throughout the year. Is like there's no point listening to outside noises. Like I suppose even I know myself. Like I have an opinion on teams down in West Cork and saying that they're a serious team and that and might know one or two of their players but I've never actually seen and watched in my lifetime and you kind of often see that with people that they'll talk up different teams but they'll have never actually seen them play or never seen them play on TV so you just have to kind of keep that noise outside but um, no look I think with some contests in the Cork division I'd say like there was no game that we won handy maybe bear we did a very good first day out against Dripsy but um other than that, we are put to the pin of our collar by Valley Garvin, um, Ardegeen, um, Russell Rovers, Tracton, and I think there's some other team I think some group that we might be missing as well. But like I think most of those games we were down to probably only the last 15 minutes that we managed to pull ahead. Yeah, and then like coming out of Cork then, was it... Like, did it feel almost that anything but going on and, and taking that step that you didn't take last year and winning the All-Ireland, anything but that would have been a, a failure? Uh, yeah, certainly, yeah. Look, we kind of knew we were at the levels from last year. That, um, and look, we felt we were after getting a bit stronger even. So, yeah, look, it was, it was probably the goal at the start of the year, even though no one wanted to say it. The county was the be-all and end-all to get up to intermediate and all that. But, like, deep down... Everyone wanted to have that feeling in Croke Park of winning an All-Ireland. Um, so, yeah, look, I suppose once we got out, the, the pressure was off to a certain extent once we got out of Cork. Um, like, we knew kind of those Munster days and the All-Ireland series days are days to savour because there's kind of a nice bit of a build-up. Um, there's two or three weeks to each game, whereas it was kind of going week to week, hurling and football and the Cork Championship. So we were kind of able to savour the atmosphere a bit more. And I suppose we were already after garnering the excitement in the schools and kind of with the underage teams and all that, and even kind of the older community as well. So, yeah, look, at the pressure was off to a certain extent, but look, it certainly was on that everyone in the whole place expected we were going to win All Ireland. So, like, handling that kind of pressure, it's a, it's a different animal in itself. Yeah, and you have that intermediate status now that that you you crave so much, and you won't be you won't be looking to give that up uh, too easily either in twenty twenty three. Oh no, certainly not. But it's probably the same as last year. Look, I think we got a very tough group again between Clitheroe, Douglas, and Middleton. So look, 
probably first and foremost it's about trying to win your win your first game and then at least that gives you five or six weeks of championship hurling at least then the third the third group game is basically like a county quarterfinal uh, looks we know probably most of the teams in that crate are going to be half probably gunning for us as well uh, I suppose we have our local neighbours Kildare in the division as well so I know both of us will be craving to meet each other at some stage so hopefully we can both get out of the groups and meet in the county quarterfinal semi-final or something, but um, like we know, we'd all be best friends with a lot of those lads. We know the standards that we need to get a, to be able to compete there. So look, we're under no illusions that it'll be any bit of a cakewalk there. Yeah, and especially when you know those guys would have been uh, wishing you the very best as well. You know, in 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 the in the club championship this year, and then all of a sudden it's rivals again on, on the pitch later on in the year. Um, the big story this weekend is that your, your club mate Mark Keane has achieved another massive opportunity in the AFL, and when you think about it, your your small junior now intermediate club has played a part in developing a professional athlete. Yeah, look, it's it's unbelievable for Mark first and foremost. Look, to get an opportunity again to go out there, I think everyone is absolutely delighted that he's taken us. And look, we're dis- disappointed he's gone from us, maybe for a while. But at the same time, like it's it's immense pride for the whole place to actually see him on TV being a professional athlete. Um, like I remember being the Hunter Dress for his his debut at say at about six o'clock in the morning. Our whole team came yeah. in for lunch to watch him, and like it's. It's an unbelievable achievement for him, first and foremost, his family, say his girlfriend, that, like, I, I can only imagine the pride that they have in him because, like anything, he sets his hand to, um, he sets the gold. But, like, definitely, look, I think he's only been getting well wishes here locally anyway. And I think from Cork as a whole, I think they appreciate the opportunity he has. Look, I know Mark himself, he's achieved these goals in being a Cork senior hurler and footballer and look I know he'd love to win medals of Cork too but look I suppose it can be hard he might in the future again get a chance but look it's obviously when an opportunity arises he had to take and I thought it was a lovely message from the, the club last night I think it really summed up what he means to the community I think ever since he came back um, like he has been basically the driving force of the GA and a lot more than the GA even around town. He's so good to kind of make time for children, for older people. He's just a general brilliant guy. And I think it was kind of summed up actually when we went into the schools last Tuesday. Um, like all the teachers were kind of saying how much he's, he's, he's changed the lives of a lot of kids there. There's kids that wouldn't like going into school, but they just can't miss the days that he's coming in, that he's really kind of just captured imagination or the imagination of those kids and it's just it really sums up the guy Absolutely and he only turns 23 in March as well like and to, to have that that presence on and off the field you know there's a great maturity about him and uh, I suppose when you achieve what he's achieved already in such a young career um, it, it's great to see that he's able to take it, it all in stride another man who'll be wearing a, a Cork jersey is uh, Cahal Mahney and uh, he'll be looking to build on a very promising debut uh, this uh, last year with the footballers and uh, like you said those role models for the juvenile players and also for their, their teammates in the senior team as well like they're priceless yeah exactly no, Cahill's a credit to himself as well um, look he's a, he's a quieter lad but he's he's been unreal for us now this year and he's been unreal for the club ever since 
there's been a lot of pressure on him probably since he's been 14 or 15 as well he's been he's been driving in summer camps people have been looking for his autographs before he's even made it onto Cork senior panels and that but um, no like I think Cahill now eventually like he's had a very tough one or two years with injuries and that and to kind of I suppose that's when you really test the character of a guy like it it'd probably be easier to to quit maybe or sit back but like he's really pushed on now and thank God for him injuries have kind of he's had to look at a green now this year injuries have kind of cleared up a bit uh, like he had a fantastic year with us he was probably nearly our player of the year this year really I think he and he really seems to be enjoying his hurling again football but like I think definitely I think the Cork footballers can build a team around him I know they have a lot of good potential there at the minute like, and I think it's great to see that Cork football is kind of coming back strong again Absolutely well Fionn you've been a, a fantastic ambassador for Bally Giblin over the last uh, couple of weeks and uh, you gave a great speech in Croke Park as well and uh, you've been fantastic ambassadors for, for Cork GA uh, around the country as well Fionn Hurley the Bally Giblin captain thanks a minute for joining us on the Bigger Bench well, Thanks very much Aidan yeah, Fionn Hurley there speaking after Billy Giblin's All-Ireland victory last weekend. Uh, we're going to hear from Tom Savage now of the Three Red Kings on tomorrow's big game for Munster away to Toulouse. All right, Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings is on the line to look ahead to a big game tomorrow for Munster away to Toulouse. Um, these are the games, I suppose, that Munster teams are judged off of. Big European uh, trips to France to play the likes of Toulouse and um, uh, well look a, a lot on the line as well uh, in terms of um, gauging the development of this Munster squad Yeah there is this is a huge challenge uh, you look at uh, Toulouse how good they've been over the last number of years I mean they've made the semi-final stage at least in Europe um, over the last four seasons um, a really big physical side as well this is a massive challenge for Munster who when you consider the amount of uh, second rows in particular that Munster have out injured at the moment, R.G. Snayman, of course, but also uh, Thomas O'Hearn, Edwin Adogbo, um, that makes this quite a big, and I, I, I'd say that both literally and metaphorically, uh, challenge for Munster to, to go at uh, in the south of France this Sunday. You know, like the, the weather is going to be very, very cold. It's going to be difficult enough conditions there as well. But uh, it'll be a real check as to how far Munster have come on this season uh, in what is, I'd say, year one of, uh, of, of a rebuild at the province. But uh, it's a hugely exciting challenge for them, I'd say. And in terms of implications of what results might throw up and uh, the knockout stages of the competition, where are Munster, where do Munster lie in all of that? Uh, well, I think at the moment, depending on results elsewhere, um, Pool B has been quite weird this uh, this season, where uh, a lot of teams who typically in this pool format, uh, everybody more or less knows where they're going to be come the last round of the of the tournament. But I think for for Munster, like you look at the two wins Munster had against Northampton, both of those were non-bonus point wins. There's a losing bonus point against Toulouse and Thorne Park as well. Munster are all but qualified, bar a bunch of freak results that will happen. I think Munster will, will know what's needed by the time they kick off. But I, I think that it's quite likely, just looking at the way things have gone, that it will be an away quarter final uh, or away round of 16 game, rather, um, and could well be against the likes of Leinster. So it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's a tough one, but 
I think for Munster, getting into that knockout stage is the aim. That's more or less achieved as is. And it's kind of a shot to nothing out in Toulouse uh, in, in, in this one where they've uh, not that much to lose uh, like in necessarily, but an awful lot to gain. Yeah, looking back then to that first game in Tobin Park against Toulouse, it seems now like a, a massive uh, lost opportunity. Uh, we previewed the game with um, with uh, Tomas O'Leary and Tomas was very confident of Munster going and getting a victory that day. Now, it was a strange day, obviously. You could barely see two feet in front of you with the fog that was there. But it does seem now that that was the last opportunity and like they could be going into this game in a much more comfortable uh, position. Yeah, look, I, I think watching that game back and even watching it live, it was weird to think that um, the conditions being as bad as they were were a far bigger advantage to, to lose on the day than it was to Munster. Uh, Munster were trying to play with a lot of pace, a lot of tempo. That's been true for the majority of the season that Munster have been sticking to that principle of play. But when you look at the game itself, uh, the conditions really help Toulouse to slow it down. And if you watch Toulouse over the last number of, uh, of weeks, I think people have this idea in their head of what Toulouse play like. And like Toulouse are a very good attacking team. But for the vast majority of the game, they will kick long, they will scrummage, they will maul, and they will they will attack hard on on, on counter attack on you know from a a, a spilt ball or, or on kick transition. But you look at their game, they play very heavy, they play very narrow, and the conditions in Thoma Park that day allowed them to, to to play that game quite successfully. And for Munster, I think the the big difference in that game was Munster's offensive maul wasn't great when it needed to be. And Toulouse were very, very clinical once they got into that five-meter range from the lineout, and that's where the game was decided more or less from a from a, a, a result perspective. So for Munster, that's kind of what they have to look to try and reverse in this game, which is uh, really improve their maul defense. And when they get that opportunity to maul in the Toulouse half of the field, uh, they've got to take those opportunities. I feel like every time I've talked to you, we've 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 discussed uh, Joey Carberry at some stage of our of our of our uh, conversation, and obviously then uh, during the week the big story is that he's been left out of the Ireland Six Nations squad. Now, while this is really disappointing for Joey Carberry from a personal point of view, this is actually kind of good news from a Munster point of view, maybe. Well, I mean, look, I suppose that depends on the reaction of Joey Carberry. Um, if we look at the last number of, of, of seasons, um, Joey Carberry's the biggest set piece or uh, setback that he's had in his, in his game has been injuries. The majority of the problems that he's had have been through injuries he's picked up and the after effects of that trying to recover and so on and so forth. Like, to be honest, like you look at the, the 18 months, we'll say, that he's been back fit and playing for Munster after his recovery. He's gotten into Irish squads while playing worse than he's been playing at the moment. Yeah. So, like... I think it's a bit of a it's it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a kick for him. Like I think he, I, I, I think most people would have expected that. Yeah, look, he wasn't blowing the barn doors off anything over the last number of weeks. I think that's fair enough to say. But I, I'm not sure a lot of people expected him to be to be out. But at the same time, I'm not sure you can say that it was a massive shock either. Like I, I think his performance levels have been okay. But considering he's got 37 international caps. I've yet to see him over the last number of, of, of months, we'll say, certainly after he missed out in the Australia game uh, through, through injury. 
I haven't seen him dominating games, like imposing his personality on the game. Like, and I suppose that's what he has to start bringing now. And this is a perfect opportunity here to play a little angry, to play with a little bit of heat. And that's something that, you know, Carberry has typically struggled with. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of all on the line for him now to try and go out there and prove that Andy Farrell made a mistake and to really go out there and, and impose himself on Toulouse. He has the talent for it. He has the ability for it. I hope that he views this as being the shot in the arm that it, that, that, that it is, rather than being something that knocks his confidence and takes him out. And also as well, you know, he's going to be in Munster and look, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure how many games he's going to, how, how many games Munster play during the uh, the Six Nations period, but he's going to be there as pretty much one of the only number 10s left in, in the province, obviously with Jack Crowley going to Ireland and with Ben Healy in Scotland. So surely the aim for Carberry is that when they come back from the Six Nations, they don't take the number 10 jersey off him. Well, he, he has to lead now. Like, he has to take a real lead at Munster uh, in this game on Sunday, um, but also over the coming weeks when the likes of Jack Crowley are going to be heading off to international camp. Ben Healy, as soon as the, 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 the window is open for him to go to Scotland, he will do so. Um, but, like, Joey Carberry has to lead the week now. He has to lead and drive Munster so that, as you said, when those players come back, it's Joy Carberry who's driving the bus and they're under pressure to get back on and to take that spot. And like for him, I hope he attacks this rather than being it, well, I'll just wait for an injury. Because like he has the ability and the quality to be a top, top player. This is a huge opportunity for him now to get a run of games together as that guy to, to show Andy Farrell that he made a mistake. It's a huge opportunity for him and I hope that he treats it like that. Also, I suppose from a Cork point of view, um, very positive news, the likes of Gavin Coombs getting called into Ireland. And um, it was Alan, Alan uh, Quinlan, wasn't it, speaking during the week, saying how, or sorry, it was Ian, Ian Keatley actually mentioning how he has stepped into that role vacated by CJ Stander. And uh, as good as Ireland and as talented as that pack are in Ireland, that uh, CJ Stander sort of player isn't maybe there with Ireland and if Gavin Coombs can go in and be that that fulfil that role then he he could have a very promising uh, season with Ireland anyway especially heading into a World Cup Absolutely I think what Gavin Coombs brings in that back five is very different from all of the players who are currently there as incumbents in a green jersey a lot of people have been comparing him to Caelan Doris and looking to make negative comparisons there but in reality, they're very different players. You look at what Gavin Coombs brings. It's a level of physicality and I would say kind of heft at the set piece also that can be incredibly valuable for a team at test level. That doesn't mean that you have to start him over Caelan Doris or view it in that light. Like for, for Gavin Coombs, when he's performing very well and he's been performing well for most of the season and when used correctly, he is a guy who will win collisions. He will force the defence to compress and he can pass outside that compression. His work in the line-out is really sharp on both sides of the ball. Uh, his defensive work rate and everything else has really improved. That's, that's something he needed to, to, to improve and I think he's done that. Uh, if used in the right way, then I think that he can be a success at test level. He can be a success at any team he goes to. I think Gavin Coombs is an outstanding player and his performance levels over the last three years for me, 
deserve far more test recognition than what he's gotten at this point. And uh, I think for Andy Farrell, it's, I think, a responsibility coming into a World Cup for him to find out how can we best use this guy rather than trying to make him uh, do a Caelan Doris impression. How do, we best get, how do we get the best out of Gavin Coombs with all the strengths he has rather than trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? I think every team in the Six Nations could do with a guy who's got Gavin Coombs' strength and his uh, ability uh, in, the, in, the, in the modern game. I think he's a guy really set for a breakout season. He's already kind of had two of those, but Test 7 is the last one he's got a crack. I think he can do that. Bringing it back to Munster then, um, they're 6-1 to one for tomorrow. It's away in France. It's a Heineken Champions Cup game, the final pool game of the tournament. Um, any other province, <laughs> they'd, be, uh, they'd, be, they'd be daunted or, or they wouldn't be looking forward to this. But uh, a Munster team and a Munster crowd, this is like this situation. This is the ultimate situation that, that they relish. And uh, I can imagine they'll be creating that atmosphere in the dressing room, that, that sort of, um, you know, that siege mentality in the dressing room for this game and going out there. And would you be confident that they can cause an upset and get a victory? Uh, yeah. Look, I, I think that what Munster have been good at, and there is a ton of Munster people heading to this game, like there is planes gone out to France, to sort of France today, full of Munster people. There's going to be a fair Munster crowd there for sure. I think for Munster, the key is to keep uh, Toulouse's scrum and line-out mall out of the game early. Um, Munster were unable to do that in the first game uh, back in Coleman Park. The scrum had a little bit too much influence as the game went on. Uh, Munster have to ensure that they don't let Carl Dixon into the game from a scrummaging perspective. If they can do that and limit Toulouse's access, make Toulouse play, uh, without giving them cheap penalty access. Munster have the game that can hurt this Toulouse side. Uh, Munster can move them around. Munster can pick out little lanes. And uh, they've got a game that they, they can let Toulouse almost come to them to a certain extent. That's going to be the focus, I think. And I look at the, the quality of the guys who were there. Huge opportunity for John Hodnett. Uh, when I see how well Gavin Coombs is playing. Uh, Jack Crowley as well at 12. Um, this is set up for a huge game for them. I mean, look at Craig Casey starting this game also at number nine ahead of Conor Murray. A massive statement in and of itself. And this is the occasion in the Stade Ernst well on in, in, uh, in Toulouse for Craig Casey to go up against Antoine Dupont and show what he's all about on a stage like this. It's all set up for, for Munster to go out there and have a crack off this game and see how it goes. It'll be incredibly difficult. Look, Toulouse are a very good side. But I, I, I back this Munster group to have a right cut-off at one way or the other and uh, see how it falls out. And I tell you what, if this game is within a score at around 60, 65 minutes, Munster had every chance of coming out on the right side of it. Absolutely, and be a huge boost as well for uh, Graham Rowntree and uh, Prendergast and all his uh, coaching staff as well. Tom Savage, Three River Kings, thanks a minute for joining us on the Big Bird Bench. Thank you very much. Tom Savage of the three Red Kings there on Munster's game tomorrow. That is it. We're out of time. Thanks a million for listening. Rory's going to be along tomorrow evening on the Big Red Bench. Stevie G is on the way next. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.